Yes, it's been since such. Eh, it's been a while since I've broadcasted on this app or done a podcast. Oh, what can I say? Yes, I went through. I would call it the normal cycle of social media, and you know, um, doing this app and that app and what have you. So I went on Instagram for a while, posted a bunch of stuff, like 4,000 plus, I believe, um, posts and with my quotes and stuff. And then I lost my desire for Instagram. It started really, oh, it was a twofold thing. I lost my de- desire partly because they took away my live broadcasting ability. That was part of it. And I just got so sick and tired of women contacting me with the shallowest of intentions, pretending, asking tons of questions, trying to groom me, basically. And my instant feeling was, yep, a groomer, um, a scammer, you know, basically just wants to make me feel comfortable, show, you know, feign an interest in me, and then ask me for money or send me, you know, pictures, naked pictures of her. So I'll get dragged into that. So I'll join her only fans and watch her do things. I'm not that kind of a person. This, this, I'm just not. Yes, I love attractive women. Beautiful women are nice to look at. But I'm not the kind of person who is into the pornography thing. And I'm certainly not interested in seeing women naked, playing with themselves, or doing things with themselves. I'm just not that kind of a person. So I would get rid of them. First, I'd begin to have a conversation with them to test the waters. And when I realized what it was all about, I just told them I'm not interested. And, well, a couple left on their own. The others I had to block. They just wouldn't leave. So I lost my desire for it. Twitter is so another different approach. But with Twitter, um, it's just so empty. It's so, you know, regulated and censored. And, and it's just contention. I'd say contention on a grand scale. You know, we're left against right, good against evil. You know, people with just miserable lives going on there and saying stupid stuff for attention. Uh, older women trying to look like they're in their 20s again. Just, just another app that I've lost my desire for. Subsequently, all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Truth Social, Parler, any app like that I withdrew from. And I stopped doing live broadcasts, um, lost my desire for that. So I thought I'd go back to podcasts, and that's why I'm here now. So let me yawn. Uh, Yes, I yawn when I'm bored. I also yawn when I'm tired. This is a tired yawn. Let me say this. There is a phenomenon, and some people are aware um, of it. Others aren't. I'd say most people aren't even aware of this. They don't even, most people don't think on a deep enough level to appreciate and benefit from what life will offer you if you pay attention. Now, life, if you pay attention and you live it nobly and morally, um, there's a tremendous amount of awareness and information and understanding. <sighs> Sorry for the yawn. There's a tremendous amount of awareness and understanding and knowledge that can be gained if you live your life 
nobly and morally and pay attention. You'd be surprised what you will become aware of, what you will see that you never saw before, what you will understand that you never understood before. And consequently, consequently, if you pay attention and you see things and you understand them, now you have knowledge. And if you apply the knowledge properly, you'll have you'll develop wisdom. That that besides yawning is what life can offer you. If you do not live your life morally and honestly and ethically and nobly. It narrows your vision and makes you myopic. And only certain things will get your attention and hold your attention. And they will give you very little in return. And that's why there's so many people doing OnlyFans, why so many people are involved in pornography. That's why so many people are hooking up with people to have sex. No relationship, no love, nothing. Just, just pure physical activity. And they wonder why they're unhappy or why they feel devoid of emotion or a natural affection. And they wonder why their lives are not happy, why they don't have peace in their life. Well, I just explained to you why. You cannot live your life that way and have peace. Now, let's get into the subject matter. This was just the introduction. Let's get into the subject. The subject matter is this. All of us, whether consciously or subconsciously, observe other people and we see other people in a way that they're, de they're detached from us. In other words, we're observing them and we see them uh, as a separate entity. Now, granted, we have friends and relatives who are close to us, who we have love for and all that stuff. But we see them that way, too. We just have love for them or care. We care about them or something. But we do see them as an entity that's separate from us and distinct from us, individual. Now, like I said, some people do that consciously, which is what I do, and other people do it subconsciously. They're not even aware they're doing it. But what we do is we look at other people, and we most people would look at other people and think that things are going pretty well in their life. Um, because that's the appearance that most people give. Most people give the impression that they're successful, they have money, um, they're happy, and they're satisfied with what they look like, you know, that everything is going fine in their life. Everything's going well. When the truth is, it's a tremendous facade. It's a charade in a way, because people are role-playing. They're giving that impression. Um, because they want to feel good about their miserable life. So they give those impressions. Other people are more real about it. You will see the flaws in them. You'll see the things in their life that are not right. Um, but you'll see them trying to be better, trying to correct things in their life. Uh, some people are overwhelmed because they keep making the same mistakes, but they're, they're galvanized to make change and stop doing those things. They're in their, I mean, they are dedicated to improving their lives. And then you have people who live nobly, morally, ethically, honestly, and they have challenges and they face hardships, 
but their challenges and hardships do not bear down like on them like they do the other two types of people. So you have three types of people, one, two, three. Number one lives honorably, ethically, morally, honestly. Um, I mean, they're, they're true to their word. Those people, when they face challenges or disappointments, the challenges and disappointments do not overwhelm them. They do not stop them for stop their forward progress. Um, they don't get depressed. They don't give up. In a very deliberate way, they approach these challenges and these disappointments and whatever in their life, whether it's being fired from a job when they were unjustly fired or it's getting a disease they have to deal with now, or maybe it's the aging process. Some people hate the thought of getting older. Um, they're losing their beauty. So that really bothers some people. But whatever it is, number one keeps going. And it doesn't take the toll on them. It takes on the other two people. Number two is a person who doesn't live completely morally, nobly, honestly, ethically. They're good people. But sometimes they do things they know they shouldn't do to take advantage of a situation or something. Or, you know, or maybe they flirt with, you know, they flirt with some woman and then they end up in a situation that they really didn't want to get into, but now they're into it. So they cheat or the woman cheats. You know, her husband's gone all the time and she doesn't have affection and stuff. And, you know, the neighbor's a, a good listener. And he listens to her, and she's telling him all her trials and disappointments and stuff. And, and I've seen this happen firsthand. It happens very innocently. She starts crying, and he takes her hand to try to comfort her, and it starts a bond. Him touching her, holding her hand to try to comfort her, or giving her a hug, transfers affection from her to him and him to her. I mean, I've seen this so many times. It begins innocently. He really just wants to come for her. He has no interest in, in anything. But then a bond is made. And she feels good when she's with him. She's happy when she talks to him. And it grows. And they spend more time together. Um, one in particular I, I knew years ago, and it ended badly for him. I mean, it just it was, the whole thing was destroyed. Um, you know... She was going through a divorce, and he had already moved out. He was gone, but he went through a divorce, and it was going to be a divorce. I mean, he was not – he was going to divorce her. So so she was alone with a couple kids and, you know, all frantic and depressed and sad and stuff, and the neighbor was a real good guy. You know, sometimes he'd cut her grass or, how you know, put her trash cans back or whatever. And then some small talk happened at the fence. And the neighbor was a very attractive woman. But some small talk happened at the fence. And, you know, he went to comfort her. And the moment they embraced, it was like they wanted each other. But he was a good guy who didn't want to cheat on his wife. But this woman went after him. Once they embraced, she wanted him. That's what she decided. She wanted him. Knowing she was going to divorce, she wanted to remarry, but she wanted him. So she made it made herself available to him, and then in a moment of weakness, uh, he had sex with her. Then it was sex, 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 sex. It was just crazy because once he had sex with her, he wanted it again and again and again, and, and now he was willing to cheat. Well, he divorced his wife. I mean, it was really cruel what he did to her. 
married the woman and he was just so depressed. He said, she's, she's crazy. She's freaking put me in so much debt. It's not even funny. Um, he was explaining to me all the things that happened, how his life changed dramatically from having a nice stable household with a loving wife who watched the nickels and dimes and worked with him on the finance to marrying this hot woman who was good in bed. I mean, you know, she was good that way, but she just spent money like crazy was argumentative, withheld sex if she didn't get what she wanted. So he was singing the blues, and I reminded him, I said, yeah, well, you're kind of getting what you gave to your wife. You cheated on her, then divorced her, kicked her out of your life, and hooked up with this woman. Now this woman's doing to you what you did to your wife, which he wasn't too impressed, but he did admit, yeah, yeah, but you know, but that's not helping me, George. And I said, well, you're going to have to divorce this woman. That's what you're going to have to do because she might be good in the stack and she might be gorgeous, but she's toxic and you're not happy with the situation. Evidently she's not only the only time things really work is when you do things her way or you buy her stuff. I said, are you going to keep buying her stuff? You keep doing what she wants to do no matter what, if you if you can live with that, stay with her. Uh, but I said, I never would have done what you did to begin with. The thing about the number two person is sometimes they do very well and they really try, um, and other times they don't, and their life is in flux. Sometimes they're very happy and peaceful because they're doing the right thing. Then they start doing things they know they shouldn't do, and they get out there. Then their fear comes in, and you know they're they're unhappy and they think life stinks, and you know all, I've done all this and look what's happening, you know. Number three is different. Number three, there's several levels to number three, or several, I should say, subsets. Number three usually involves people who have chosen to be bad. They choose to live a life that's wrong, choose to live beneath. So in other words, they're not honest people, you know, not particularly. Uh, you know, they might tell the truth about stuff, stuff, but they have no really interest in being honest. Uh, they're not moral people, morally clean. They're not ethical. They're none of that. And they don't even try to be. They don't care. They're just living the, They're living their life the way they want to live it um, and doing whatever they want to do. That's one subset. Another subset of number three is the person who has mental illness, the people who are depressed, the people who have been abused. Um, they're very despondent. And... They're always expecting things to fall apart, expecting disappointment, never going to have somebody really loves me, never, you know, things are never going to go well for me. I'm always going to be poor. They, they fall into that category. Usually there's, there's mental illness or abuse attached to um, the, in their life that creates this mindset of defeatism, despondency. Um, oh, you know. I'm not pretty you know, as they age, you know, I don't, I'm not pretty anymore. No man's going to want me. I have heard this stuff from a number of people, men too. Men have said, you know, um, a woman, nobody, no woman's going to want me, but they're just going to use me, you know? So they're all, they're usually people with depressed, you know, usually mental illness or abuse. Um, and they don't expect anything to work out. Another subset is the person who decides that living as a good person does not work. 
if you're going to make it in this life, you've got to be dishonest. You've got to be heartless. You've got to be a user. You've got to take advantage of people. Um, and that's what they do. They live their life at the expense of other people, other people's work, other people's efforts, other people's love. So whatever other people have to offer them, they try to benefit from it. So if they have a friend who has money, they'll try to get the friend to, you know, to finance their lifestyle. If they have a friend who is very kind and friendly and affectionate, they will try to fill the void in their life by associating with this person. Um, if the person is uh, a very patient, compassionate person, they will take that patience and compassion from that person by burdening that person with their life. And the thing is, is they have no intention of changing. They have no desire. Um, they have become quite adept at utilizing other people. They live their lives vicariously through other people's lives. And you can spot these people a freaking mile away with your eyes shut, shut in the dark. I'm not kidding you. They're chameleons. Um, women are the worst at this. Men are very good at this. You know, they really aren't. They're the poorest freaking actors in the world. When men try to do this stuff, it's just embarrassing. It's like a bad comedy. Um, it's like snakes on a plane. It's that bad. Women are very, because they have the emotional component and they have the, the attributes of a woman, women are better at this than men. And that is, um, like if a woman is depressed and she sees, and usually it's the opposite sex that women go to for these things. Very few women will go to another woman for this, except for emotional support and listen to their piss and moaning, pissing and moaning. But usually women will go to a man to exact these things. For instance, if a woman's feeling sad and she sees a man laughing with a group of people and telling jokes, she's likely to gravitate over there and insinuate herself into the conversation and then laugh when he laughs. And, and, and compliment them because that softens men up. When women compliment a man, if the compliments are subtle, it's amazing how men fall like freaking dominoes. <laughs> it's, it, it, me too, except I'm on my guard for that stuff. But I got to admit, if somebody pays me a genuine compliment and I feel the compliment, it does soften me up. If I hear an obtuse compliment, something outrageous, then instantly the shields go up because I realize instantly what's going on. So when it's subtle, it can fool me for a while or it can give me the wrong impression. But I'm one who connects the dots and looks at the patterns. So in a very short time, I'll realize if I'm being played or if what the person is saying is genuine, because some people do compliment over the top. I myself am prone to that too, because when you see somebody spectacular, you can't say enough good things about them. So sometimes... These over-the-top compliments from women uh, to men are genuine because this is what she really feels. A lot of times, it's not. A lot of times, a woman who's really skilled at manipulating men knows not to over-compliment. you got to leave a little wiggle room there with men. Um, you got to make them want, want more. So, so one woman would just say, in talking, you know, Oh, you look nice today. That's a subtle. 
You look, you look nice today. Very basic, subtle. And then if you said, oh, thank you, I just, I just, it's the stuff I wear, you know, because humble men will say that, you know, men who are vain and have a purpose or who want to play you will say, oh, you think so? Yeah, I, I think I look pretty good. You know, this is, this is just who I am anyway. They will retort to invite more compliments. And the woman said, well, you know, I could say you look hot, but I didn't want you to take it the wrong way. If it's a good man, he's going to say, hot? Yeah, well, keep that thought. If it's a bad man, he's going to say, well, you're pretty hot too. So he's going to test the waters. So if you're a good man, you're less likely to fall for the over-compliment stuff because you will read it for what it is. It's manipulation. However, if you're a good man and the compliments are subtle and they're spaced out, and they don't cause you to remark, those are the ones that will fool you. The women who do that will fool you. Because I've been fooled a few times, you know. But the thing about me is, like I said, I have a very good memory. I remember what you say. I connect the dots, and I see the pattern. So if I see the standard pattern of manipulation that way, my shields go up. You overcompliment me, shields go up automatically. They're set for automatic on that BS. The thing is, is when we're observing people objectively, we're going to see traits in those people that we see in ourselves. Sometimes that can be a little scary if they're bad stuff. If you realize that you, for instance, give phony compliments. I know people who, you know, just flatter people. It's, it's sick. They flatter them because they feel insecure. Like, for instance, I knew this guy. Um, women never really dated him. They would never seem to really be interested in him. So the only way that he could be around women and get their attention was to flatter them. So that's what he did. He would say, wow, you know, boy, you look beautiful today. Did you get your hair cut? Knowing that they didn't get their hair cut. No, I just changed the style a little. Wow. You know, you did well. It looks great. They will feed those type of compliments because they want the woman's attention. Well, this guy, just women just didn't seem, you know, when he asked me, I told him what it was. I said, you come off as phony. That's what it is. He says, phony? I said, yeah, you do. You come off as phony. I said, because women are suspect of a man who, who compliments them the way you do. And he said, what's that? I said, well, you're always complimenting them on their looks. Um, you never, like, say that's a clever joke. Or, well, that's a pretty good joke. I said, they read you like a book because you approach them on their physical appearance. And for them, would you just compliment, you never compliment them like on their jokes. You never compliment them on how much knowledge they know. You don't have meaningful conversations with them because I've watched you. I said, you go right to the looks because you know that most women are concerned about how they look. They want, to, they want men to think they're attractive. They want to feel attractive. So I said, because you do the way you compliment, um, always on their looks, their hair, their legs. I said, I've seen you do this all the time. That's all you talk about. It makes a woman's, woman suspect that that's all your, you know, that's what you view of her. You're just checking her out. You don't have any real interest in who she is as a person and stuff like that. You're just after the physical. So I said, that's why I think women don't bother with you. Because they're not comfortable with you. In their mind, oh, yeah, he just wants to lay me. That's what he wants. 
He just wants to have sex with me. Let me say this. When you observe other people, this is a suggestion because I only do suggestions. When you see other people, keep in mind that who you're looking at has their own life. That person has their own life um, independently of you. It's their life. They make their own decisions or they let other people make them for them. Some people do that. But the point is you should, if you, in my opinion, if you want to have a very happy, peaceful life with as little complications as possible with other people, stay out of their life. I mean, you can be their friend and all that stuff, but I'm just saying do not get so deeply involved with them that you're living their life. And do not get so deeply involved with them that you're allowing them to live their life through you. It's called living vicariously, meaning they're using you to live their life. And people do that all the time. People who are depressed, people who are sad, people who are lonely, they will do that with people. They will target someone uh, who's kind, compassionate, and all that kind of stuff. Maybe funny, um, maybe never gets upset, just a very easygoing person. Whatever their needs are, or whatever the void is that is inside of them, they will seek somebody to fill those voids by associating with them. Now, I don't. If it's a true friendship, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Helping somebody, you know, feel better about themselves, or helping, you know, just helping to feel happy. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing things that makes a person happy. But I think there's something dreadfully wrong if a person is living their life through you. Unless they're married to you, that's different. Uh, because when they're married to you, you have the marital bond and you're supposed to be doing this together. You're supposed to be, in, uh, and it's a natural interdependency um, that but creates a strong bond in the marriage and keeps you two together. So your strengths benefit the areas that your wife is weak, has weaknesses in, and her strengths benefit you where your weaknesses are. And sometimes you have the same weaknesses, but you work together to overcome them. Sometimes you have the same strengths. So you negotiate so that no, so no, so one of you is not over the other. So you keep that cooperative spirit, that working together and benefiting from working together instead of one who, who is stronger than the other dominating the other. Because once you try to compel or dominate or manage your spouse, your marriage is in trouble because that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be mutual consent and cooperation across the board. Um, no strong man tactics, no deceits. No games. You don't do that stuff. If you want a real happy marriage, you got to pay the price to have it. They don't just happen. I don't care what anybody says. And this soulmate BS, forget about it. Soulmate is a bunch of BS. And twin flames kiss my ass. That's I don't know who came up with that, but that's about as ridiculous as thinking the planets and the stars determine your fate. It's BS. Okay, I'm going to close because I'm almost at 30 minutes and I'm getting bored. I've said about everything I want to say. Uh, I have given you people. Yes. I've given you the recipe on how to get your life under control 
and live a happier, more peaceful life. You have to live honestly, morally, ethically, you know, with natural affection, with patience and compassion. You have to do all those good things consistently uh, if you want to live a very peaceful, happy life. Now, granted, not everybody is perfect. I know I'm not. So there are going to be areas that you're going to lack in. Maybe you're not a very patient person. You learn to you need to learn to develop patience. Maybe you're a person who stresses out about every freaking little thing. You know, an acorn falls on a tin roof and you think the sky is falling. Um, you will have to overcome. And if you have a spouse who's supportive, they should be helping you deal with that and overcome that. You'll find that if you live your life that way and you try to uh, overcome your challenges and your weaknesses and moderate your strengths so you don't over, you know, overwhelm people and you don't compel people to do things your way, you, and you remember that everybody's an individual that has rights to determine for themselves what they want out of this life. Even your wife, she's an individual. Even your husband, he's an individual. The difference is you two are supposed to agree to basically give up your central rights to individuality to work together so the marriage becomes one. So you two people mesh together and work in such a way that your purposes in your life, you're, you're one in purpose. And that's, that's how it's supposed to be. If you have a spouse and you have that kind of relationship, the marriage is just unbelievably good. It's wonderful. It's what marriage is supposed to be. Not those freaking Hallmark movies or Disney shows. When a person respects their spouse as an individual and the spouse respects them as an individual, but they say to each other, let's work together and be one in purpose. Let, you know, let's, let's give and take in things. Let's agree upon everything. We both agree. Independently, we agree. We don't agree because you pressure me. We don't agree because you threaten me. Uh, we don't agree because you are going to deprive me of affection or attention or anything like that, or you're going to give it to somebody else. But that happens too. If you can get to that point, if you're married, um, you're going to have a very happy life. If you're not married, get married and be that kind of a person. Find someone who's like that and be that type of a person so you both can benefit from what life has to offer. And that's about all I have to say on that subject. Um, be very careful. Oh, I'll say this in closing. Be very careful who you get involved with in friendships and who you marry. Because you will become like that person in a lot of ways. And they'll become something like you. But there's no guarantee that they're going to become the good things of you or you're going to become the good things of them. You may become the bad things of them. They may become the bad things of you. And that is not good in a relationship. The best thing works is when two of the, you know, very good people are matched together and they're equal in the most important things. And that when they decide they're going to get married and be together, before they get married, they lay down the rules. They, they agree to, for instance, like my wife and I, 
we agree that we would neither one of us would make a major purchase without talking to the other one first. And then we would agree. We'd sit down and work it out. And then we would agree whether or not we were going to do it. And we didn't do it until we both reached an agreement. That's the kind of stuff that makes for a happy marriage. It's the kind of stuff that keeps you out of debt, keeps you out of trouble too, because sometimes one of the spouses is more adept in finance or can see something you can't see. Um, so the, that type of, and the thing is, is when you both agree on it, you both accept the benefits and you accept the penalty of the decision. So there's no finger pointing or blaming because you both agreed about it. We both agreed to do it. So, okay, that's the final word. I say good luck.